The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and ten, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Chiefs' kingdom, welcome in to the latest edition of the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate you joining us today. Snowy day in Chiefs Kingdom, uh, no matter if you're in uh, the Kansas City Metro or not. But uh, Ron Cobb Jr. here, lead analyst at the site. With me, as always, my guy, Matt Stagner. Stags, how are you surviving the snow right now? How are you feeling? Man, I'm hunkered down in the basement here. It's uh, <laughs> it's one of those days I'm in Iowa, so it's even worse probably than, than what you have there in KC. But by the way, uh, before we get into this podcast, there was a, a big game that happened this week. Um, a championship game of sorts no. that ended uh, in the Arrowhead Pride Fantasy Football League. How did that end, Ron? The sneak attack. Wow. Stag's coming in with the sneak attack right out the gate. Yes. The fantasy championship came down to me and Stag's in the in the championship. And wow. Three point. Was it a three point difference? Two point. Like a little more over, two points maybe. Yeah. Over a two week championship uh round that was that's a, a featuring week 18 there. i got a just great special hat tip to, to the up. eagles offense uh for for helping me out <laughs> yeah i have jalen hurts aj brown led me to the 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 promised land all year and uh week 18 was probably not the the greatest move in the fantasy league but you know hey it's okay you know uh stags stags won it uh we definitely should uh should organize the winnings there i think we just donate to charity of your choice so you got you got to you got to pick one of those yeah, looking forward to that. But it, when it comes to the actual Chiefs game this week, there was some good news as well. I felt like there was a uh, some yes. positivity around this team that maybe we haven't seen all season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of a not a fun game to watch. Uh, anyone who, who who sat through the Week 18 finale where the Chiefs did end up winning 13 to 12, kind of a, a muck fest. Um, you know, got the game winning field goal at the end, but. But you're right. You know, I think not only was it nice to get the players rest, I think that's just good vibes in general. Get those guys, you know, hanging out. Hey, you know, hanging out in the L.A. sun, you know, maybe get some vitamin D while they're out there. Right. You know, get some get their toes in the sand, maybe get some uh, beach rehab. But then also, I think the, the the theme of the game or the story of the game was definitely Chris Jones sack getting it in the third quarter. 
after disrupting the backfield so many times throughout the game. I think he ended up with 12 pressures. Actually, you know, I should check that before we get too far. I saw some. Yeah, I think that's that. right. Um, but yeah, that's that that tells you how much money t- talks. You know, I mean, a guy that, uh, you know, he he can have a dominant performance like that. We've seen him have them. But uh, when that one point two five million dollars is on the line, Stags, that dude was unblockable. Uh, the Easton stick was just uh, very good at getting rid of it for a lot long part of the game, but he got, he got to it stacks. How'd you feel about uh, that whole uh, agonizing process, honestly, for most of the game? Yeah. You're holding your breath as, as people start getting injured in that game and you saw it happen around the league and, and with the Kansas city chiefs. So there was obviously some concern there, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was super happy when he got it and the, the way the team reacted, that was you know, that, that was spectacular. Really seeing how excited they were for him, how everybody was pulling for him to get that incentive. Uh, it, it really made me feel like, hey, there's some positively, some good vibes around that, that team. Not just that, but also a little bit now going back to the Bengals game. I think there was uh, some positivity there. They were having some fun on the sidelines, which they maybe haven't always seen. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I, I thought this, I felt the same way. As soon as he got the sack, the reaction, I was standing up in my living room. You know, I, it was, it was a very exciting moment too. Honestly, like I, I was happy for Chris. Cause you know, you know, I think we can, we can talk about, you know, his, his, uh, his counseling and, and, you know, and, and how he got to the point where he needed to, to have an incentive like that in his contract to, to get to that point uh, when he missed the first game of the season. But all that to say, the huddle around him on the sideline. Yeah, no, chasing him down. Um, you know, the coaches coming up and hugging him. You know, the there was a good – the Chiefs released a good social clip with, with kind of the mic behind the scenes of that. Um, yeah, no, I think the last two games have been good vibes. I mean, that's that's what you want after a Christmas Day disaster. Like, you know, that's it was as low vibes as, as possible at that point. And they have really rebounded strong these last two games to go into the postseason. And I think – not only is it a team good vibes, but but it's it's good to to, to make Chris a, a happy man because that this dude's a difference maker, and you saw what he can do when when, when he's properly motivated, and uh, and I don't know, I that w- that was good to see him in the middle just just wrecking stuff. I, I that that's got to be a part in the playoffs if they're if they're going to want to go on a run. Yeah, properly motivated, but also just playing with reckless abandon, right? Like there was no yeah. let's let's wait and see if there's a run. <laughs> there's no like, hey, maybe yeah, this no, is green. It was just full forward all the time. I'd say, yeah, there was one play, actually, I remember, I think it was like a third and two. He just got right through because obviously he's looking for the sack and they happened to run it. And he just like, you know, he just destroyed the run play. I think someone else cleaned it up. But but it was just hilarious just seeing Chris just, you know, go through them. Easton Stick hopelessly running around. I mean, you know, he he did a good job maneuvering around it. But uh, but yeah, but. But shout out, shout out the the reserves for finishing off Blaine Gabbert for leading the the game winning field goal drive. That that was good to see. You know, kind of everyone stepping up, right? Um, besides, you know, Chris is obviously the uh, you know one we see every week. But any favorite uh, guys? You know, we don't see a lot of of yours that stepped up on Saturday, Sunday. Excuse me. Yeah, I talked a little bit about it in the winners losers column this week. Um, obviously, Mike Edwards with the big ninety seven yard touchdown. Okay. Um, he's been kind of an up and down player, but he's known to have this nose for the football and and ability to return uh, for touchdown, which is like the fourth time I think in his career that he's done that. There's also, you know, good, good signs, at least in small bursts out of basically all the other defensive linemen. So I listed Felix, Andy Duque, Uzama, Tershawn Wharton, Neil Farrell, BJ Thompson, Malik Herring, like, 
there was contributions out of all of those guys, which is again what you, what you love to see. Dude, yeah, I, I I'm glad you point out the DL because it was nice to see guys like Neil Farrell for the first time. That dude's big. That dude, uh, that dude's gonna gonna be a space eater if they need him to be in, in the in the postseason. You know, especially you know in a game coming up like maybe against potentially Miami. You know, if they if they face these run heavy teams. Um, so yeah, Neil Edwards was definitely, uh, or Neil Farrell, excuse me, was definitely one I was excited to see more of. How'd you think about, uh, BJ Thompson, the, the couple times he kind of seemed to get around the corner. He's long lanky, but he does fly off the ball and he, he did kind of collapse the pocket. It felt like a couple times. Um, I don't know. It was, it was good to see. Yeah. It was good to see yeah. some of the DL, uh, yeah, a little flashes of promise. It's kind of a nice check-in. I keep calling it the preseason of the postseason, which is really, you know, a nice opportunity to see what have these guys been doing all year? Have they developed? Have they gotten better? <clears throat> they look like they can contribute. There's not too many of them that you think are probably going to contribute in this particular postseason, but there's um, there's definitely some that could have a role next year. Now, there is one guy, I thought, who put up a performance this week that gives you at least a glimmer of hope that it could translate, that it could be part of the postseason plan this year, uh, and that was McCole Hardman. Uh, what, what do you think about his uh, his day overall? Yeah, I'd say on offense, we did get a few players that that maybe made a case that that why they should be considered more for postseason PT. But it it led with McColl. I'm going to write about him for the site this week because it was good to see the ways he made plays. Man, um, first of all, uh, the strong catching stags, like catching through traffic, like. Hello, uh, Chiefs. The Chiefs have been asking that from the receivers all year to be strong, you know, in tight windows, you know, catching, you know, with defenders maybe on them. Uh, you know, that's closing. never been like what you know him for, like, <laughs> right? That's the last person you'd ask for them or you know, seek, uh, you know, for them to get that from. But the way he did it, uh, on, on Sunday was awesome. You know, the first one down the field, you know, he sets up the, the deep crosser well by getting vertical and then coming over, it kind of creates a separation. But the, cor- the corner does get on it. The ball does hang a little bit. He has to go up with two hands, which is nice to see, right? He doesn't try to, you know, wait on it. He goes up with two hands, and he just shrugs the dude off as he's trying to get the ball away from him. He keeps running for another 10, 15 yards. I mean, just an awesome play, something they need from the receivers, like I said. And and there was another one later in the game where he caught a, a slant over the middle to convert a third down. A linebacker actually was kind of on him, had the hand kind of on the ball at the catch point, shakes it off runs for another you know five ten yards it was good to see that from mccall man now you know he did make a he did kind of quit on a route late in the game um and and gabbert it wasn't late in the game it was at, before halftime but gabbert uh threw it and it was an interception I, uh we remember that and that's something we've seen from mccall right you know as a negative thing a lot in the past but uh but yeah that's the thing is is uh mccall is is definitely you know someone that that the team could rely on more in the postseason, needing more from the receivers in general. Uh, he's he's done it. You know, he's played two. He's won two Super Bowls with this team. You know, it's 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 hard to forget that he was a part of that 2019 team just as much as he was. You know, these the 2022 team this last year. So he's a vet. He's someone that they could kind of lean on maybe in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, McColl had six catches on 77 yards. Um, the longest one, that 37-yard where he got away from the defender. It was on 11 targets, so the efficiency wasn't amazing. There was a couple yeah. of plays where the broadcast crew pointed out that maybe he gave up on a route that caused an interception, and there was the one long pass down the sideline that he caught. 
inbounds, but he had stepped out prior to. So there was a couple little mental mistakes. Like I kind of think you can take that if there's the, if the production's there. Well, yeah, just think about who he would be playing over in the postseason potentially. You know, Tony is obviously, you know, lost, uh, you know, like a role on this team to an extent. I mean, you know, Blank Gabbert thought he was going to play in week 18. If you listen to him heading into the game, um, he was talked about as a reserve along with McColl. Um, Sky is obviously still, still on IR. Richie James, you know, someone that we both, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, I think everyone's kind of said, hey, you know, someone that maybe should get more run, but still really hasn't. And, you know, honestly, just doesn't have the same top end, you know, game breaking, you know, like a big play ability like McColl does. And that's the thing with McColl that I, I, I did mention your internet cut out for a second. So, so I, for the, just for the, so the people know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just repeat it for you, but uh, just that, you know, Hey, he's been here. He's done that. Right. Like McColl's been for both playoff runs. Like he was there 2019 and 20 and 2022. So there's a, yeah, there's a good chance that a, a, up. a big play rookie McColl Hardman in the playoffs. Uh, I think that trade to get him back was well, well worth it. Yeah. But he wasn't the only one on offense that I think, you know, again, stated a case that maybe they should get more consideration. A guy like uh, LaMichael Piron, I keep wanting to say Samaj. That is his cousin, who's also a good player in the NFL. But LaMichael Piron, uh, who we all saw in the preseason, could maybe do something. Had a little had a little uh, movement to him for his size. You know, he's kind of a bigger back. But you saw it in this game. I, you know, what I kind of, uh, I feel like he just attacked the line of scrimmage as a runner. Um, something that we don't see from the other backs outside of Pacheco. Um, you see it from Pacheco, right? You know, he does have that urgency, that sense of urgency to get to the line of scrimmage, get to the hole, but you don't see it as much from the, you know, the other, like Jarek McKinnon and Clyde, you know, they're more of guys that once they get it, get to the hole, maybe they can, you know, make, make something happen. Uh, but I liked that from Piron and something that if they do have to get to a run script in a cold weather game, maybe, you know, in these, and some of these games or when they're defending a lead potentially with this defense, we've talked about, you know, this offense maybe needing to be more, relying on the run game, relying on, you know, low scoring affairs. It felt like, you know, having someone like him, maybe instead of Clyde and maybe Clyde can be more of like a pass catching guy if they need him to be. I don't know. I kind of like Pirine as a, as a handoff guy. Did you like what you saw from him? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't spectacular. He had 21 carries for 76 yards. So average 3.6 yards per carry. He did have a good catch, a 25 yard catch and run. Um, So I think all together, together, a nice game. Yeah, that, that catch and run was nice. Sorry, but uh, he 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 ran that route well. The ball was put on him really well too. But yeah, he gained steam. So yeah, so someone that yeah, I, I still think he's only a, a deep deep injury cut type guy. I mean, would you rather have him or Pacheco uh, taking your handoffs? I, I I think that's pretty clear. Well, yeah, I'm uh, yeah. That's the thing. This is more uh, yeah. He he specifically is more you know to spell Pacheco or in, in case of in case of injury more so than. Yeah. McColl is like he could McColl could naturally step up, right? So it is different in that case. Um, the other instance of that too, though, Stags was was Joe Tooney kicking out the left tackle, right? In terms of you know, and and that's that's going to be something a theme of this a theme of this postseason. Hopefully, and we're going to see this uh, today. Actually, uh, Tuesday they'll have practice, and we'll see maybe some designations. But um, you know, what are they going to do at left tackle? Because Prince Tega Winogo, who, you know, would be maybe the backup backup left tackle is on IR still. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, Wanye went out with the concussion in this game and he's going to be in concussion pr- protocol. They slid Jawan Taylor to left tackle in this game. And, and that 
ended up with him getting hurt right away, although he uh, re-entered the game after that. So, yeah, I think and, – and I want your – I mean, what do you think? But, like, this could be a situation where Tooney's the best option for them um, if, if, if all things kind of work out that way at left tackle. Yeah, I've always kind of hated this narrative that, you know, he's somehow the best left tackle on the team and they should slide him out. And some of it, I think people look at his contract and like, oh, he makes a lot of money. He should be a left tackle. Uh, I, I definitely think he's an emergency option, but he's a really good one. Uh, they, they, You don't want him going through the playoffs with him at, at left tackle. It uh, mixes up the whole line and in, in some ways. It was interesting in this game, by the way, uh, off topic, though, that they – we're trying out different players at different positions a little bit. Creed Humphrey played most of the game at guard uh, because Allegretti was playing center with his guy Gabbert. So uh, yeah. there was some some movement around, some shuffling of that offensive line, some of it on purpose, some of it due to injury. But, you know, the versatility can only help you when it comes to those emergency situations. But you just got to hope. You got to hope that uh, that Wanya can go, that, that Taylor can go. Um, you know, I, I don't know that uh, – Lucas Niang um, is probably, you know, he's your other option at tackle, uh, but he he still can't play both sides. So it'll get interesting if if one or both of those guys can't go. Yeah, right. No, the Tooney thing is definitely, you know, emergency, but it's one of those things where, you know, I think it's a better option than, you know, putting Niang there or sliding Taylor over there and putting Niang at right tackle. I would rather put Allegretti at left guard and put Tooney at left tackle uh, in a in a situation like that, if they really did not have Wanya Morris, and so that's just it sucks to be in that situation. It feels like twenty twenty all over again. You know, at the end of the season when the offensive line got jumbled up like that, you hope that's not the case. You hope Wanya is good to go. But yeah, I mean, even even if you say uh, Blaine Gabbert, I mean, you know, we saw Chad Henney have to step up in, uh, for the Chiefs in the postseason in the past, and it was good to see him get you know not the best game ever, but uh, you know, a game under his belt in this game and he did lead that game winning drive where he kind of tucked it and run a couple times, you know, played conservative, you know, handed the ball off and, and got them in a field goal position. That was good to see because if he is having to be called up in the postseason, I mean, you don't want him to do much more than that. So, you know, you don't want yeah. him to, to try to be a hero. So yeah, it, it was good to see him kind of manage the clock. Yeah. He had the, showed off those wheels that you didn't expect to see on that last drive. That was awesome. Uh you know, one more on the positive side, this is on defense. Cam Jones, who's been, you know, largely a, a special teams contributor, if if active at all, uh, really showed up and, and was all over the field as a linebacker. 12 tackles, 11 of them solo, just kept showing up over and over and over again around the ball right where he needed to be. Somebody that, that could be some depth for the future and something that's, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want that to happen in the playoffs, but gives you a little bit of hope that there's some uh, – there's some bench strength there. Yeah, no, that was cool to see because he was flying all over the place. All the all the defensive backs and back back end players were linebackers and DBs. But he, you know, ended up leading the team in tackles. He had the one blitz where, you know, he pressured uh and 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 kind of forced stick to come out of the pocket. So um definitely cool to see him step up because he's been on the 53 all year, you know. So it's someone that they obviously like uh for the future. So he's someone that maybe Next year, we're kind of looking at like Leo Chanel as a kind of a, a nice, you know, third or fourth linebacker. You know, you never know. Yeah. Now, there, there was a couple guys who didn't distinguish themselves. And I think everybody was hoping they would. Justin Ross, you know, didn't do a whole lot. Plus got injured again. Um, you know, that de- definitely wasn't uh, wasn't what you hoped to see from him. Uh, you know, there was a, uh, you know, Richie James 
fumbled a punt. Uh, he recovered it himself, <laughs> but you know, you, you don't you don't love to see some of those things. Uh, don't take a whole lot from this final game, but definitely the Justin Ross hype train has once again derailed. I think. Yeah, no, it's just that there shouldn't be too much of a hype train. I did think, though, you know, I, I I was excited. It seemed like all the coaches and and the players were excited to see him in a more expanded role. So I think they kind of maybe uh, were were excited themselves. So I I, I didn't mm-hmm. highlight him in my five things to watch. And yeah, he he did get a few targets, just nothing too uh, reasonable or too you know too big. Uh, you know, he had the one small catch where he kind of went up and got it and continued yeah. the field for a first down. Yeah, that that was but, good. Uh, but yeah, but no, I, I think that's stuff that we all knew he could do. So yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see. I again, it's something that I know we talked about in the last pod, but they were starting to work him into the red zone, the starting offense in the Bengals game. So maybe in this wild card game coming up, maybe you'll see, you know, something where to that effect where they they kind of work him into those situations. Well, anything else on this game before we start looking ahead? I mean, this is again essentially a preseason game in week 18. Not a lot you can take from it. Uh, are you ready to talk playoffs or you have anything else for us? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this Stags, because, you know, I've obviously, you know, had, had a pessimistic segment on this, on this podcast, you know, heading into the postseason. but you know what? It's over. No more pessimistic segments. It's playoff time. It's optimistic time. All right. Cut party pooper. No more party pooper at all. You know, Hey, we're, we're, we're talking about all positivity, all good vibes heading into the postseason Now, you know, we're here now, right? They're, I'm not going to be, you know, rooting on this team to lose. No one's rooting on this team to lose. Uh, we're just realistic. And, you know, hey, I think there's a path to this team still winning. And that starts with with Miami, right? I'm I'm excited for this game, Stags. I am I am fired up um, for the game on Saturday night. I will be in attendance, although that I maybe shouldn't tell people my record of being in attendance this year because that <laughs> may not make people feel good. But uh, I can't miss, you know, Tigers return to Arrowhead. Uh, you know, the, the kind of the vibes from that, the energy from that. You know, I really think no matter what the temperature is, you know, that's going to be, you know, kind of the theme of the game. And uh, I think it's going to make it for an awesome atmosphere. So I don't know, Stags, how fired up are you for kind of the matchup we're getting in the first round? Yeah, don't anticipate a warm welcome for the uh, for the Dolphins in Kansas City. It's going to be it's going to be cold. Um, I, the rest of the matchup is going to be fun. I think this is a strength on strength. You know, they've got. Uh, a, a really good offense uh, going up against the Chiefs defense, which has been really good all year. Uh, the Miami defense is pretty banged up, so you, you could see maybe uh, that's not their strength, and the, the Chiefs offense hasn't been their strength either. So it's going to be it, it, it's going to be interesting. I think anything could happen, but uh, I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Speaking of, of warm welcomes, though, is this going to be the coldest game in Arrowhead history, or, or close to it? It sounds like it, although I, I, I was I on on Twitter today I, or yesterday I tweeted out you know a, a memory of the last the last time I was at the coldest game I could remember, which was uh, back, way back 2016, long time ago now. Wow, um, and uh, the Chiefs were playing the Raiders at home, and it was in the negatives. Feels like I remember the I remember it was single digits, you know, just in general before the wind, and. I always say that's the coldest game I've ever been to. And that was, I think, eight degrees. This says, you know, for the forecaster Saturday night, says it's topping at 10 degrees, but it feels like it could be three degrees or in the negative. But there are up to 26 mile per hour wind gusts that could be happening, which just feels like that could really be the the kicker there. So 
I don't know. I, I've, I was starting to look back and think of the coldest games in Arrowhead history. Was, and, and Was that a pun intended that the wind is going to be the kicker? Uh, it, it's going to be, it would be difficult on kickers. And, and that's been the oh, case yeah. in the past in the cold weather games. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. What a lead in. Uh, Cause yeah. Cause I think famously the Lynn Elliott game was very cold uh, where he missed the field goals in the 1995 playoffs to lose to the Colts and doom that season. That was kind of the first of the playoff heartbreaks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at home, at least at home. You know, obviously, I know 93 that, you know, that was pretty heartbreaking in the AFC ship, too. But that was pro- I mean, I wasn't alive, so I can't attest to that one. I was at the Raiders game I mentioned, but I was also at the 2018 AFC championship against the Patriots. Um, and that's the thing is I had some people tell me they thought the Patriots game was colder. Maybe I was just more prepared for that game. And, and that makes sense because I was an older gentleman. Uh, you know, I was a little more prepared uh, and uh, may not have been as 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 dumb as, as my 2016 version of myself. Um, but uh, but I feel like the 2016 game was colder. And and Stags, I will say the, the cool thing about the 2016 game is that that was Tyreek's kind of it was a big moment for Tyreek, his rookie year. Punt return touchdown breaks it against the Raiders. Travis hits the dance on Marquette King afterwards. Very pivotal moment. Everyone was chanting Tyreek's name before the punt return. One of my all-time Arrowhead moments. And uh, and it's just kind of cool that, you know, we get to see another Tyreek. Because he, he can play in the cold. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's, it's, I don't think Tyreek – I think Tyreek can play in the cold. He's, he's done it here plenty. So um, this is not to say – I think we're in for a Tyreek versus, versus Arrowhead game. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm still reeling over the fact that you said you, said you weren't alive in 1995. Uh, that, that was my junior <laughs> uh, year in high school. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, not I, three years out. Come on. I, I should give myself a little more credit. What's that? Three years out. I, I was three years out. <laughs> yeah, that's making me feel old here. Uh, but yeah, this will be, the, it will be interesting to see how both teams handle the cold. Uh, I think, you know, ideally it's a big Pacheco game. You know, and Rasheed Rice as well. I think those are guys that can can kind of punish a defense and, and make them think twice when when they're uh, coming up to make a tackle. When when it's that cold, it hurts a little bit more. Um, or is that the key to the game, or is you, you see something else on the Chiefs' offense that, that could work? No, I think running the ball will definitely be key. Um, I, I want to get we'll get more depth in depth after the break on uh, exactly what the Dolphins are dealing with. But I just think in general, in a cold game, this is why. You do need a run game because the pass game won't be as easy. It won't be as easy to just drop back and throw 50 times just just plainly because, you know, your hands get cold as a receiver and you don't want to get hit as much, uh, you know, over the middle. So you might be a little, you know, cautious going over the middle. I think, you know, linemen, you know, especially for linemen or running back runners, uh, running backs, too, it's just easier to just move forward, go forward, you know, keep setting the tone, especially with like a runner like Pacheco. Just kind of, you know, keep the pace of the game. And, and obviously, you know, in the postseason, if you get a lead, you know, it's a great way to keep it, defend it, you know, and 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 and, and keep the ball away from the other team. So, yeah, I, I definitely think running the ball is the, the key. We've been talking about it all, all season or leading to this point, even if it wasn't a cold game. But I think it sets up very well for the team to lean on the ground game. Absolutely. This might be a defensive battle on the Chiefs side once again as they redefine themselves as a defensive team throughout the playoffs here. Um, try to keep the score low, try to run the ball a little bit more, use the the focused offense around uh, around the guys that actually uh, can get the job done now. Um, tell you what, let's let's take an early break here. Let's hear from our sponsors. Uh, we'll, but as always, we'll get to your 
favorite game, what NFL player am I? Uh, the mini the mini game, the crossover grid, whatever you want to call it. Uh, who's played for the Chiefs and the Dolphins that you're going to stump me with today? All right. What NFL player am I? We already did Chiefs and Dolphins this year, um, but I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper for this one. So, you know, there's I, I'm going to say it. You know, I'm one of the few quarterbacks that have played before the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Um, I, I started in Miami, but then ended with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I did end up winning a Super Bowl, but not for either team. Who am I? Stags, you got to tell me. Ooh, thought I had it until that last clue there. We'll get to that, plus more of your questions after the break. So stick with us on the Out of Structure podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Matt Sagner with Ron Cop Jr. I think Ron may have just stumped me for one of the first times this season on the What NFL Player Am I game. A quarterback who played for both the Chiefs and the Dolphins didn't win the Super Bowl until after he left uh, the Chiefs. That's a... It's not exactly what I said, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Well, I was thinking Chad Henney, but I'm not sure sure that that fits uh, the last part of that hint. It could have been Trent Green. It could have been Matt Moore. It could have been Tyler Thigpen, even, who is dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. But no, this is Damon. Well, I mean, not they didn't all win Super Bowls, I should say. But this this is Damon Heward, actually, who, you know, mm-hmm. backed up Trent Green in 06, kind of helped the team go to the playoffs that year. Uh, that was like one of my first years really getting into the Chiefs. So he's always been uh, a big, big, uh, big quarterback in my eyes. But yeah, he played for Miami his first three years. Went to New England, helped them win the Super Bowl in 03, backing up Tom Brady. And actually, you know, what stands out to me uh, from that is there's an America's Game, uh, the NFL Network uh, documentary thing, each Super Bowl winner. And apparently Damon Heward um, was just like super good at, at uh, uh, scout teaming for Peyton Manning in the playoffs. And they all credited Damon Heward for helping them beat Peyton Manning in the playoffs because he was so good at, at mocking him in scout teams. So that's Damon Heward's legacy. Is that that's that's great? That's a good deep cut. I I had completely forgotten that he went to play uh, with with Brady after that. That uh, uh, that that part of his uh, his NFL career slipped my mind. Didn't exactly have the most uh, stellar time here in Kansas City, so um, I didn't didn't even realize he went on after that. No, I just he his claim to fame, honestly, Stags, is that in 06, Trent Green goes out week one, right, with the concussion against the Bengals. And Damon Heward comes in 
And I remember, you know, we, we obviously go to the playoffs barely at the end of the season. The, the Niners beat the Broncos in week 17 to help us get in. And Damon Hewitt finished with the second best passer rating in the NFL all season, just behind Peyton Manning. And then they went back to Trent Green for the playoffs. So, <laughs> you know, I, Damon Hewitt should have got the chance. You know, I'm, 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 I'm here to say. Wow. He's the uh, Rich Gannon uh, for, from the Elvis Gerback uh, uh, controversy. Exactly. He was my, he, that was me as a, what would I have been? Eight years old? That was me. No, 10 years <laughs> old. No, eight. I can't do math. Man, I'm getting old. My memory is fading from from that time. Uh, but let's let's get to your questions. Previewing the Dolphins game primarily, uh, our guy Ed, Ed Holinsky. How are you feeling about the Dolphins Chiefs matchup, and how jacked up will Tyreek Hill be coming back to KC? Well, yeah, I know we talked about the Tyreek part of it, but to get specifically with the Dolphins Chiefs matchup. Man, you know, I think the one team in the AFC that's coming in, maybe, you know, when we talk about Chiefs having good vibes, but, uh, you know, the Dolphins have as bad of vibes as anybody in the AFC coming in just because, first of all, they lost that Week 18 game to Buffalo at home that would have given them, you know, a home home game right away. Not only that, though, they have now have lost more players to injury, even more than they already had. So they're starting edge rushers, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, both good players. Um, were, were already out before week 18. They, they had injured and they're out for the season. But now they're going to be missing linebackers, Jerome Baker and Andrew Van Ginkle as well. And Van Ginkle's a nice edge rusher for them as well. He'll make plays in the past game. He's not going to be playing now. That's three of their best edge rushers, not, not playing all of a sudden. Jerome Baker is their, you know, he was a playmaker, you know, in that Mike position. And then Xavier Howard is, is not expected to make it back yet. Uh, he's been injured. He's missed some time and and they don't expect them to, to make it back for this game either so you're talking about a huge chunk of the Dolphins starting defense not taking the field in this wild card game and and that's where the Chiefs definitely have to take advantage you know uh not only protecting right because the edge rushers aren't going to be there uh the offensive tackle should have an easier time although hey old friend Melvin Ingram is one of those guys so we'll see how how the Chiefs handle him he can be a game wrecker um but without Jerome Baker and just all those guys in general, I think the Chiefs really should be able to run the ball, right? Like it just kind of adds up to where this should be a game where the Chiefs should be able to dictate on the ground because they're just winning up front overall. Should, yeah, absolutely. That, that definitely, they're going to be shorthanded. That's even more than I had realized um, on defense. Um, is it, did I hear that, is it Bradley, is it, uh, sorry, is it Manny Agba still there as well? He is still there. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he now has to step up. He wasn't really playing that much before. Now, and Arba yeah. and Ingram uh, as their only pass rush uh, are remaining after the, the, these other guys are out. That'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, uh, sub sub headline, not quite the Tyreek Hill return, but uh, the Agba yeah. and Ingram returns as well. Yeah, he was inactive uh, for the t- week. 15 and 16 games, but or week 16, 17 games, excuse me. But then week 18, he did play probably because of injury. So, yeah, he's someone that, you know, his probably best days are behind him too. But again, hey, it's the playoffs. You know, these guys are guys that, that know how to do it. And, and you know, hey, Melvin Ingram might have some revenge for us choking away his only shot at going to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Maybe he, <laughs> wants to, maybe he wants to send us early again, you know. Well, on offense, it looks like they're getting maybe a little bit healthier uh, they've got Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert, a couple of real uh, speed factors in this game. 
that could be returning last week. It sounds like they were close, uh, but they, the medical staff determined that it was too risky for them to come back. Um, those two can make a big difference on offense. Yeah, no, Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert definitely are guys that they haven't, you know, Jalen Waddle's been off and on the field this year. Even when he starts, he's he like leaves the field, even the Chiefs game. If we remember, you know, he started the game, had to come off for a second. So he's someone that's always kind of dealing with with the injury. But it sounded like they probably could have played week 18 if it was do or die. But they were locked into a playoff position. So they knew they were going to make the postseason. It was a matter of, you know, wild card or home game. And yeah, I mean, you want them to get that home game, but not enough to where you're risking, you know, further injury to two of your best players. So honestly, it was a good move by them to keep them out um, and and have them ready for this game because that is the one thing is I really feel like the Dolphins are going to really try to attack with Raheem Mostert, De- Devon, A-Chain, you know, try to take advantage of guys like Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, even Drew Tranquil, just in general, um, because I do think their misdirection you know, their ability to get outside with the, that speed, but but like kind of make you take a second step the other way at first so you, you get beat even further. That stuff's going to make a difference. So I really feel like those two guys, their speed is going to be a huge part of their, their offensive game plan. So I really feel like the Chiefs defense, it's going to be about the linebackers, man. As long as they play a good game, as long as they read their stuff and, and kind of are ahead of the game, the Chiefs defense should be fine. But if the Dolphins can take advantage of those guys, that's where I feel like they could find some success. Yeah, and then getting back to Tyreek Hill, I mean, he, there's still obviously that threat. Anytime he's on the field, you know, you have to cover every inch of that turf. Um, and he's certainly going to be motivated. I think he's going to feed off of the crowd one way or the other, whether it's positive uh, cheering yeah. or, or, or booze or otherwise. Uh, he, he's going to be ready to, uh, to show what he can do or just kind of take it to the Chiefs whenever he can. So it, it's going to be a fun matchup in that regard. Obviously – there's no lack of motivation when you're in the playoffs. It's just a matter of who can execute and who can make plays. Right. And I know I really feel like it's going to be tired versus the crowd and it's going to be awesome. Um, but that's the thing is, you know, Mike McDaniel's a great offensive coach. Um, he does, a, you know, he's like Andy Reid where he's going to install wrinkles for specific teams that are going to, you know, because he sees deficiencies in the defense and try to attack those. So, you know, they didn't the Chiefs did not have Nick Bolton the first matchup. And so I do think that's an important key here that he's going to be playing. Um, but I really feel like they need to be careful. And and honestly, they should be playing Tranquil almost over Gay, I think, at that Will position, just because I think Tranquil is just a, you know, a more sound player a lot of times. And I think Willie can, you know, can get over his skis, over anticipate and get taken advantage of over, uh, you know, over the middle in the pass game, even in the run game, too. So, I you know, I, I'd love to see the Chiefs trust the, the, the guys that, you know, like Tranquil and Bolton, who are going to be sound tacklers, you know, fill the gaps correctly for the most part and and uh and and let willie maybe you know uh you know not play as as much this game not nothing against willie i just feel like this is one of those games where those kind of inconsistent guys can really get picked at uh as the game goes yeah do you think bolton's kind of back to himself it seems like the first game or so back from injury he struggled a little bit got picked on a little Mm -hmm. bit especially in the passing game uh does it does it look like he's rounding back into form yeah, he's definitely played uh, better. Like that Bengals game, he definitely was 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 playing better. Um, you know, in terms of, of filling the run lane and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I I think I think in general though, you just need sure tacklers with guys like A Chain and Mostert because if you have guys that are going to sl- allow people to slip off at the second level, you know, you don't want the, these guys getting into the third level. So that's where Bolton really comes in handy. Where you just need someone that's gonna if he gets hands on them, they're coming to the ground. And you know, I think. 
you know, you saw, you know, that Raiders game, you know, he had some, you know, maybe some hesitations and maybe he just wasn't playing at full speed in, you know, in that last drive, uh, not full speed, but just, you know, in terms of, he just didn't have the instinct maybe that he would, if he was, you know, not coming back from an injury, maybe by now, hopefully, you know, he's feeling it where he's shooting gaps. He's really, you know, over, you know, anticipating stuff. And, and again, you know, we need stuff like that where a guy like a chain, he just set the NFL record for single season yards per carry, uh, minimum 100 carries, because he is he can he can blow up um, if he gets to the third level. He's a track guy from Texas A&M, so um, the Chiefs really got to make sure they have sound tacklers in 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 the game. Absolutely, that'll be key. Uh, let's talk. We got a couple bigger picture mailbag uh, mail, mailbag questions. Excuse me, Jake Wilson at Jake for now. Charles Amenehu and Mike Edwards made the play of the game against the Chargers. How would you rate all of the Chiefs' first-year free agent additions uh, after the first regular season here? Well, that's the thing. You know, Charles Amenehu is, is definitely getting to the point where, you know, he's going to be an important player next year, too. And, and it seems like he's really coming on, you know, like this last down the stretch. You know, obviously, he didn't play the first six games of the season. So he's someone that I think is, is suddenly looking like a very good contract, right? Because... He looks like, you know, he was someone that I was worried, you know, how good he could be on the edge and early downs, you know, just as a traditional defensive end. Maybe his really his most significant plays really would just come from being an inside rusher on pass down situationally. But, man, that guy is disrupting on the edge from inside, you know, no matter what play, uh, no matter what, you know, run pass. He's just doing it all, man. And so I, I think he's going to be a starter next year uh, opposite Karloftis uh, while FAU continues to to transition. And so, yeah, I think, I think, you know, Omeni is a, I think you got to give him an a at least. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Sacks in six straight games, or at least a portion of a sack in six straight games now coming on when you need him the most. I think he can be a, a great complimentary pass rusher in the playoffs and, and somebody that can really feast uh, when, when Chris Jones is on uh, as well, looking through the rest of the the list, Obviously, Drew Tranquil, I think, also gets an A. I think he's been central to this defense and, and somebody that can he can handle whatever role he's in. I think they can use him against the pass, against the run. He can play that um, multiple positions on the, on the linebacker room. Really, really been a valuable addition, especially for the price. Yeah, no, Tranquil's um... – almost should be like an A plus just because yeah, the price, you know, factors in a many who honestly too. I, I, I thought about this the other day. I want to point this out. It just feels like such a spags DN that like, you know, mate in terms of like, he almost looks like, you know, he plays like, um, now it's escaping me. The, the big dude, uh, three names, not as many fingers, uh, <laughs> Jason Pierre Paul. <laughs> hey, I, I remember I, I got there somehow, right. We got there somehow. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's an all pro. He he was he had an all pro season at one point under Spags. It's the kind of DN that Spags likes to have, and so you know, there's a chance we haven't seen the best from him, Hugh. But there's also Mike Edwards, who ha has just been such a playmaker. Um, you know, obviously had the pick, the fumble, pick, uh, scoop and score this last week. You know, I do think he's been inconsistent on the back end to some extent as a full time free safety. But they didn't sign him to be a full time free safety, right? Brian Cook it was supposed to be the full time um, free safety. He's just injured right now, so. I'd still give that even, you know, I want to say an A for that, but I'll say a B plus just because I do think Edwards, you know, it hasn't been as strong a player as the other two. Yeah. I think the real controversial one is, is going to be Juwan Taylor. Uh, biggest oh, contract yeah. they gave out. Um, you know, one of the most important guys that they brought in and, you know, certainly a mixed bag uh, of results from him this season. 
the penalties obviously were completely out of control uh, all year long. You know, he had his moments uh, uh, where he had some struggles blocking, um, but, you know, overall got the job done, I guess. I mean, is that maybe maybe I give it a C? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say C plus because the thing here is that, you know, I know no one, no one wants to hear this part of it, but, you know, there is room for improvement over the last, you know, the next three years of his contract. Um, and, and offensive tackles definitely can, can, you know, this is, these are the years, I mean, he's, he's not even at the best years of his career, you know, for a lot of offensive tackles. And so I do think, you know, they, they, they maybe, he maybe wasn't as good as, as maybe they paid him to be right off the bat. Right. But I I do think he can develop into a player by next year, even, you know, the last couple of years of his contract where he is worth the money they're giving him. Um, and he's playing a lot more sound football. They've gotten rid of the penalties. I really feel like the penalty stuff is, is is something that you just can't correct in the season, and it really screwed him up. I mean, that stuff, you know, having to always think about that, having to kind of adjust your 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 you know snap, you know, timing, all that. Um, I can imagine that screws with you as an offensive tackle who's been trying to get that rhythm down for an entire career. So I I, I do think he could he could be a much better player next year, and we're looking at the deal much more fondly in the future years. Absolutely, I think there's still an opportunity there, and and you know what's the alternative? You know, there, there, there's not a lot of other other options. It's got to work out. Uh, he's got to be a starting tackle for this team for the next couple of years. There's there's no choice in the matter. Uh, Sonny Durad from the Gmail account. Why as fans do we give players the benefit of the doubt when they're rookies, but as soon as they're second year players, we hold them to a, a higher standard, the same as what you would a veteran. I've never heard anyone say, oh, he's just a second-year player. Be patient. I'm sure, it varies by position, but is that the case that we don't expect players to develop significantly after their second year? Well, it's an interesting question given this Chiefs roster composition right now because the second-year guys, um, it's a pretty tremendous draft class with Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, you know, Sky Moore, obviously maybe some challenges there, but Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, uh, Joshua Williams, they've got contributions up and down that draft class, Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco, Nazi Johnson. I mean, that's a that is a completely a home run draft, even if Sky Moore never uh, never pans out, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, maybe this is pointing at Sky a little bit, right? Because you know, it seems like we've all kind of you know given up to an extent. But I think the reason is I I really do think it's positionally. I think you know it depends on the position when you're talking about how long it takes certain players to develop. Honestly, offensive skill position, like in terms of getting the ball and like your and like your function is to get the ball, run with it and and make plays like it's got to be pretty quick, man, because there's really no excuse anymore. Or in just in terms of how football has developed, uh, you know, as you're coming up, um, you know, it's it's all seven on seven. You know, it's all, you know, and, and the and there's so many receivers, so many so much competition at that spot at those, you know, skill position spots that the best of the best really do rise to the top and are and, and are really deserving of, you know, high picks or top 50, top 60 picks. All that to say, you know, I think it's fair to kind of have a harder curve learning or harder expectation for running backs or receivers for, for even like playmaking tight ends than it is for, let's say, defensive linemen, offensive linemen. Um, I'd even say secondary players um, probably should get, you know, it's tough because, you know, if, if you're, if you're, it's, you're either making plays from the secondary or not. So, I don't know. I, I think it is by position. Um, and I know he mentions that a little bit, but I, I do think when you're talking about receiver and running back, it's fair to be pretty hard on them if they're not showing 
stuff by their second year. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to say that the receiver position is pretty complex under Andy Reid and give people the benefit of the, of the doubt that way. But Sky Moore's played a ton of snaps. He's had a lot of opportunities, um, and he's not shown any progress. And if you, to me, if you're showing progress, then then we can talk. Like, you don't have to be an all-pro in your second year, but you have to be better than you were as a rookie. And, and Sky Moore, frankly, just wasn't. Now, Isaiah Pacheco pretty much – came out of the, the, the cannon, right? <laughs> like, like you just, yeah. really, um, that, that exactly. was a home run pretty much right away. So, you know, the, that the contrast between those two is, is definitely interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think this will be an unusual draft class, the 2022 class, just because so many of those guys hit, especially late in the draft, you know, Williams and Watson, you know, Pacheco, Nazi Johnson was looking really good. His second yeah. training camp, as well, I think he's going to be on the team next year and, and and probably a factor. So this is going to be a really unusual draft class where you have so many contributors up and down uh, the draft. Uh, this year's the 2023 class. You know, I think you've got a couple of guys who who will develop in their second year. You didn't see much from some of them. We saw just just this last week in FAU and BJ Thompson. Uh, those will be a couple of guys who you should see a jump going into their second year um, as opposed to uh, the rookie year. But to to his question, and Felix is a good example of this, and Nate Christensen, our our film analyst at the site, actually tweeted this out, and I agree with him, that, you know, we, as much as it's hard to say about a first-round pick, and I understand people are going to say whatever that, you know, that you can have your opinion about how, you know, a first-round pick should contribute, but, you know, there could be a chance that Felix does need, you know, still even another year to really, you know, come into his own, I mean, we may not see, you know, where Felix pops until maybe even that third year. He's such a young player. It's something I kind of mentioned even going into the draft that he is he is a very young, very raw prospect in terms of his physical skill set, physical attributes. But yeah. it's something that he can grow into. I, I absolutely think so and could be a monster at some point. He's just, you know, maybe not as strong as he needs to be, just needs to fill out a little more. Um, but to his, to his question, I do think Felix is someone that I think – you know, if he doesn't have that jump next year, people are going to obviously come after it and say, oh, wow, mm-hmm. you know what, you know, but I think he could be a good example of by year three, year four, we're saying, oh, OK, this is what they saw and why, you know, he it was worth the wait. Yeah, look at the previous year's draft class. Uh, again, another home run of sorts, you know, a different sort of home run. Uh, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, obviously those guys were starters day one. Joshua Kando hasn't really panned out. Uh, <laughs> Noah Gray is starting to, though. I mean, Noah Gray has really yeah. shown some progress this season as compared to the previous year. Uh, Cornell Powell still hanging around, probably by a thread. Uh, but Trey Smith, obviously, is is there. Uh, been a starter from day one as well. But I, I think I think Noah Gray from that class is the one that you think about to say, hey, he didn't do a whole lot early on. Uh, he's sort of rounding into form and becoming somebody that is a uh, at least somewhat of a reliable target, a secondary target for this team. Yeah, but even then, I would say you know he we we know his his ceiling, and you know, and that was proven. You know, as much as we we thought maybe he could be a legit receiving weapon, I think you know he he only has so high of a ceiling. He's proven to this point, and and I think that goes again to the kind of the point earlier that if you're a skill position player, you either kind of have it or you don't right away. You're either you know 
because George Kittle was a fifth round pick. You're either like, oh, shoot, you look like that with the ball in your hands uh, <laughs> or Noah Gray, your fifth round pick where you're solid and you can work up to being this really solid tight end too. You're right. He's a very reliable player, but you know, I still, it's still, you know, we can't rely, you know, you're not going to be relying on him to be your tight end one going into anything. Absolutely. Uh, well, as we wrap up, let's think about uh, the rest of the playoff picture. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the the what could happen after this game. Uh, you don't want to jump ahead or overlook the Dolphins by any means, but what's the rest of the field look like and, and what happens uh, if the Chiefs do happen to get past the Dolphins this week? All right. So, yeah, the playoff picture is always kind of funny because, you know, people don't realize that some people don't realize it's not a straight bracket. It depends on who wins, who loses. Right. So Chiefs win. They're the three seed. They would be the highest seed remaining um, outside of the two seeds. Uh, so if the two seed wins, which is the Buffalo Bills now, they beat the Dolphins. They're the AFC East champs. They're playing the Steelers um, on Saturday or Sunday. Excuse me. If the Bills win, it'd be Chiefs Bills because they are the two and the three seed. The two seed is going to play the highest seed remaining. And the one seed, the Ravens, who have the bye week, is going to play the lowest seed remaining. But if the Bills were to get upset by Pittsburgh somehow, which that would be hard to see, honestly, um, the the Pittsburgh Steelers would go to Baltimore, and then the Chiefs would actually be welcoming in either the Browns or the Texans. And so it really just depends on what the Bills do against the Steelers in that 2-7 matchup. It's going to be snowy there, too. It's supposed to be even windier up there. It's going to be a lot of snow which does give any team a recipe for an upset, right? I, I do think, yeah. you know, that that helps the Steelers. Maybe four you know, or five Josh Allen turnovers in this. Uh, hey, he, uh, he tried to lose this last game in the Week 18, <laughs> man. That guy did his his, his best to to give the Dolphins the AFC East. So, uh, yeah, Cleveland's looking like a really interesting uh, team this time of year. Uh, I don't know that a lot of teams really want to play Cleveland right now. Right. And, you know, that's where I think, you know, let's say it kind of does go chalk and the Chiefs do have to go to Buffalo, play them in the divisional round. I absolutely do think Joe Flacco and the Browns could go into Baltimore and, uh, and uh, you know, pull off the upset in the, the divisional round. But How even, fun yeah, would that could, be? Because then if, if the Chiefs happen to win uh, at Buffalo, then the Chiefs would host the AFC Championship game again. Yes, I know, right? Oh. It's there's a few paths to that to the Arrowhead Invitational still being back on. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it could still happen, but uh, but no, I I do think though if the Chiefs were the ones who matched up with the Browns in case the Bills went down in the in the in the first round, you know, I I think that's where you know we're talking about this week missing the edge rushers. That's really nice. Miles Garrett, uh, you know, he's 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 on that edge for them, and there's no escaping that. So that'll be a really tough matchup if if they get to that point. That's when you want to you want to avoid the the top edge rushers. I would say in in the postseason. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, Baltimore, the one seed, you know, they had it in 2019. They blew, they blew that their opening divisional round game. Could it happen again? I don't know. I definitely feel like it's, it's destiny for Baltimore to, to Baltimore to, to get to the AFC championship host that, but who knows, man, it could be, it could be the chiefs. It could be the chiefs matching up with them. Kind of, you know, the passing of the torch maybe, or, or the attempt to, but the chiefs snagging it away from them and, and not letting that happen. That'd be, That'd be great to see. So, yeah, we're, we're I'm excited, man. It's it's going to be a fun playoff playoff game starting right off the bat Saturday. I'm going to be there, like I mentioned. Tyreek's turn to Arrowhead is a great way to start off this playoff run. All good vibes. The football gods are on our side. You know, the AFC is 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 up for the grabs. Uh, you know, this year, so the Chiefs got to take advantage. So let's do it, Chiefs Kingdom. If 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 there are tickets available, man, you know, bundle up, get out there. It's a memorable experience, um, and and I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I think the Chiefs are going to come out, get it done. 
um, and, and we'll be on to the divisional round. So appreciate you listening. Appreciate you joining us as always. Make sure you're checking out the website. Make sure you're checking out everything we're doing ahead of the Dolphins game. I'm going to be doing some film review stuff with Nate and Caleb on the YouTube page. All five things to watch heading into the game. It is going to be an awesome week in Chiefs Kingdom leading up to a, a, a win over the Dolphins. So I'm excited for it. hope you guys are too. Let's do it. All right. Catch you guys next time. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.